When Scott contacted me, um, ooh, middle of last week and asked if I could um, share this week, because Kirk, he wanted to go and hang out. Kirk was down, by the way, not, not back from his leave, but Kirk was down to be speaking this morning, but he really wanted to also go see Luke do a triathlon. So in my heart, I was like, yep, you know what, Kirk, go for it, man, I want to let you go. But at the same time, I'm like, I, I got nothing. I got nothing. And I'm not going to lie, I had nothing, especially when it was like Father's Day. I'm like, yeah, I just, you know, I don't know if I've got a Father's Day message in me. I mean, my, my relationship with my earthly father is not a good one. My relationship with my heavenly father is brilliant. And that is just wonderful restoration. But that's not what God told me to do. You see, as I was telling God, like many people do, like Moses did, I guess, I got nothing. He just kept on hammering me and saying, yeah, you do. And that's the topic that I want you to talk about. In the places where you got nothing, you've actually got something. Yeah. And um, whew. so here we go. I'm kind of a little bit nervous because he's given me a bit of a, a rundown of what I want to speak on uh, this morning. And I'm just like, okay, let's give it a crack. Um, I've, I've titled it Stepping Out. So if you want to click on the slideshow up there, wonderful wife of mine, that would be cool. Um, stepping Out. Now, I have once a long time ago actually shared on this topic before and um, I, I got a sneaking suspicion it's going to be vastly different to when I preached it in a Baptist church. <laughs> Small sneaking suspicion. Um, because my life has been dramatically changed and I've got to say, not that there's anything wrong with when I was in a Baptist church, there was nothing wrong with that, but God's just taken me on this whole new journey and my relationship with Him is so much deeper. And uh, for that, I'm very thankful for this church, for being able to take me in that place. Um, the restoration of my soul after being totally burnt out with where I was has been amazing. And um, if, I, if I click on to the next slide, our vision for 2015 as a leadership team when we got together, that we would have three pillars or three pegs for 2015. And the first one for me has been unity. And that's what I'm talking about. My restoration as a person has been about me being reunited into the body of Christ. You see, I didn't even want to go to church when I was burnt out. Had no interest in it at all, and I've shared that before. I was broken, and it was wonderful to hear Dallas sharing a very similar thing about being restored and brought back into the body last week at the big breakfast. I didn't actually get to hear it, but I'm told it was very powerful for a lot of people. So thank you for sharing that story, Dallas. You know, our journeys are amazing things, you know, and, and being restored and unified as a body is, a, is really pretty precious. Um, the next one was authority, and we've spent a bit of time working through authority, and that's pretty much the topic that we've been on. But I felt the Lord say, Corey, it's time to go to the next one, which has me a little nervous. You see, it's kingdom expansion. It's time to touch on that one. Now, whether we stay in that, I don't know. That's the spirit to... That's for him to decide for us as a church. Um, but just to break down the last two, to revisit the last couple a little bit, I want to touch on a little bit more on unity. Um, so next slide there, Lainey, if you could. And I want to go into 1 Corinthians 1.10, where it talks about, and he says, I appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters, by the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ, to live in harmony with each other. Let there be no divisions in the church, rather be of one mind, united in thought and purpose. 
highs. That's just wonderful when you really look at the depth of that. And I think this year I've seen a lot of people who have been broken away, restored back into the church this year. I've also seen a lot of coming together with a unified vision and direction as a church body here this year. And I think, I, I think that's really going on. And you know, one of the things that I do know about reading through the Bible is a unified church, a unified body of people, when they are gathered together under the one, and they're here in the one direction, is a very powerful thing. And the kingdom of darkness better look out. The kingdom of darkness better look out. We're united in thought and purpose. That was the prayer for us as a church in 2015. If I click on to authority, um, the piece of scripture we were given was, uh, we were working through Joshua on the time, and this one's, this one's a bit of a, if you click on the next one too there, babe, the, the Bible verse, Joshua 10, 12 to 13, there's, there's a little bit before this, you see, they've just, there's a whole bit pile of war going on, and there's a whole pile of context that comes in before this, and... Um, They basically, overnight, hiked about 20, 30 kilometres to go to battle up, up through the valley. So can you imagine carrying your war pack 20 to 30 kilometres? Now I'm told when I read a lot of the, the, uh, the commentaries and so forth, a lot of people actually dispute whether it's possible. Well, I'm sort of of the opinion that through my God all things are possible. Okay. Um, anyway, they get there and the battle's so huge... Joshua has to command the sun to stand still. So I'll read it to you anyway. On the day the Lord gave the Israelites victory over the Amorites, Joshua prayed to the Lord in front of all the people of Israel. He said, let the sun stand still over uh, Gibeon and the moon over the valley of Ajalon. Now there's, there's some lots of biblical argument and scientific argument over whether this really did happen. And again, I just want to preface this by saying I believe in a God that's big enough that that can happen. That these are the sorts of things that can happen. They have some interesting scientific data on this, by the way, of the fact that there's a missing day. A whole day missing. Okay, so it depends on where you want to sit on that spectrum of belief. I believe that our God is big enough for this sort of stuff. And we've been talking a lot about walking in kingdom authority. And if we pin that with what we learned last year as a church and the journey that we took it on with identity, who are we in Christ? Then we're able to work out our authority and to claim it and to, and to use that in our everyday life. Actually, Tavia, I was just, would you come up and share with me, please, for a second? I've asked Tavia to come and share because she posted something on our leadership page just recently about something that she's done very similar to give it some context. We're not worried about something that happened quite a while ago, something a bit more recent. Have you want to share that? Yeah. Um, so I, I had shared with the leadership team that I, um, at our school, we don't have any indoor venues other than a classroom. So I, we have a big school event that we needed to run, an sh- arts showcase. I'm the arts coordinator at my school, uh, at my campus at any rate. Um, and the problem with outdoor events at night is um, there's no shelter. And uh, if you're going to stick a big stage out with lights, um, well, in my mind, I was like, all right, I need to start praying. Um, and a couple weeks out, I was checking the, the weather, and the weather was really interesting. Um, for about two weeks, it constantly changed on that particular day. Uh, but it was, it was things like there you were know, storms, um, there was rain, um, and... But it gradually, the closer it came to the day and the more I kept praying, it began to be more... Like, the, the, the amount of rain predicted 
kept dropping and uh, it started to predict, oh, it might be sunny later in the day and things like that. And But I was still like, oh, this is an outdoor event and it's, it's a fairly big deal and a lot of people have put a lot of work into it and I actually asked the leadership team to pray as well the day before. Um, and what was great is the forecast in the morning was um, that the, the showers would clear about 8 o'clock and it would be fine for the rest of the day into the evening. And I was like, brilliant, that's an awesome forecast. Thank you, God. And I went, headed off to work nice and early with this great sort of, yay, God. Um, but when I got to work, I was immediately, immediately put under significant pressure to cancel the event because the skies at that point were cloudy. And, I mean, I found out later that the people putting pressure on me had had pressure put on them from above of people who were like, this stage, it's worth lots of money. If it gets wet, your head's going to roll. And those guys then put that pressure on me. This stage, it gets wet, your head's going to roll. And uh, that, that's pretty bad. And they, they wanted to change a huge number of things. Now, to change that one thing meant a bunch of other things would change, which involved lots of money, which we have a lot of pressure on at school at the moment. Um, it meant the whole feel of the event would change. It meant the running order would change. It would actually run over. There was a whole bunch of factors. And... I was very intimidated, no question. Um, and I went, look, I have to you know, ring our technical guys who, because um, they've probably packed the truck by now with all the gear that they need for how we thought the event was going to be. And I, I went to my staff room and I rang them. And um, what's great, the technical guys actually also Christians. So there was, I think there was wisdom from them. And they were like, well, it's probably better to actually go ahead how you've planned. Um, but you can certainly will go with what you choose. Oh, excellent. So I still have to make the decision. Um, <laughs> So I, I prayed. I said, God, I need wisdom because I am this huge, this huge pressure uh, and it's sickening pressure. Um, and the, the clear, even it made no sense. At that point with the, the rain, you know, looking the way it was, the skies looking very cloudy and the, the, the intimidation from people at work, the, the sensible decision actually would have been to change the event. It, was, it wasn't impossible, it was doable. But the, the thing I got from God was stick to your guns. Stick with how you've planned it. And so I went, all right, God, it looks like it's going to rain. It even looks scary to me right now, but I'm going to trust you. I'm, this is all on you, God. <laughs> you know, I'm going to trust that you're going to come through. And I declared that and I walked out and I said to the guys, I will take authority for what happens. Um, use those words because obviously, you know, we've been listening to that sort of stuff at church for the past few weeks. I preached on it for heaven's sakes. Um, so that was the kind of language that came out. And interestingly, the whole attitude went from being incredibly resistant, totally changed. And they were very amenable and helped me put up the stage in the space that I wanted it. Now, it didn't stop there. That morning, on that incredibly expensive stage and also incredibly expensive lighting equipment and sound equipment, it rained several times. And I'm there going, oh, I'm in so much trouble. <laughs> um, and but the, the first time it rained, though, I, I suddenly remembered, and I believe this is God who put this in my head, Jesus, in the boat, surprised that the disciples didn't tell the storm to calm, he was like, why do you need me to wake up to do this? You could have done it. And so I, I said, not loudly, because, you know, there are people around at my school who aren't Christians, but I just said, storm, go, in Jesus' name, get off this property, and, and, and various words like that. I commanded it to stop. And the rain went from... It just, it stopped, like, and I was like, oh, that's awesome, that's really cool. Uh, then it started to rain again, and I went, all right, well, it worked last time. And now, having hindsight now, I understand why this has happened. But at the time, I was like, because it didn't stop, why isn't it stopping? But I realised the enemy was like, you know, because, you know, if you rebuke the devil, he will flee. So he did that first time, but the second time he went, oh, I don't know, I don't think she's that tough, and came back and wouldn't stop immediately. So I was just like, well, I'm going to keep praying until you stop. Um, 
And it was really frustrating. The people at work who were like, you should have moved the stage, were giving me these kind of gleeful, like, told you so, you're going to be so much trouble kind of looks. But what was great is also some people at my work, believers, who were like, you know that we're praying too. And that was so encouraging. And interestingly, she shouldn't have rung at that time, but my immediate superior rang just about something else. And I let her know what was going on. And she said, you've made the right decision and affirmed me. And I really needed that because it was, it was pretty hard when you're watching it rain. And every, in, in our school, it's all surrounded by one... This, it surrounds this one spot. So everyone can see. Everyone can see me there going, oh, my gosh. And it raining on all this expensive equipment. So I just kept praying. And it did stop. And the skies cleared. And it was wonderful. That evening, the sky was perfectly clear. And what's more, it remained clear into the next day for the school next door who had a major um, spring fair on their, their sort of yearly festival. And they needed it to stay clear because they'd spent even more money than we had, uh, quite a bit more money, and it stayed clear until they'd put everything under, and as soon as everything went under, the rain started. And I just think that's God's blessing extending, you know, you're talking about extending the, the boundaries of the kingdom, I think that's extending the boundaries of the kingdom, and I certainly saw that at my school. And, and interestingly, the feedback from the event has been, it's blown me away, actually. Um, people have commented on how amazing it looked where it was and how it ran really well and it, it really showcased the arts, which has been under huge attack at my campus and actually was a huge thing for the school. The whole school was blessed by this thing. So when we, when we take authority... Sorry, I'm preaching. Uh, when we take authority... <laughs> um, we are extending God's kingdom and it brings blessing to others. Oh, shut up now. Awesome. Amen. Totally. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Tavia. And thank you, Ashley. It's good. Very nice. Now, Tavia, there's one other question I did want to ask. You know, leading up to that day, were you a little bit tired? You've kind of been working hard setting everything up? Yeah. You notice here, in this, in, even in the Joshua instance, when we need to take authority on things, we're often at our lowest ebb. I think that's something we really... I really want to point out the enemy comes to seek, rob, kill, destroy, distract, whatever it is to get us off task. We need to be very aware of how our authority works, who we are in Jesus, who we are in God the Father, and how we operate with the, the Holy Spirit is critical for us to be able to take authority. And um, I think that it's thank you so much, Tavia. That was brilliant. Um, so if we're going to jump across now to the um, whoops, so there, yep, there's 13. My apologies, I forgot to put that up there. Uh, it was already up there, but I forgot to put it on my screen. My apologies. Okay, so the next one, kingdom authority, kingdom expansion. Sorry, um, you could say it's kingdom authority. It's the same deal. Um, so what is expansion? I want to just talk a little bit about what is expansion. And, and start to touch on this one. Now, we've got Robbie Dawkins coming in the next couple of weeks. And that man knows how to do kingdom expansion in a way that is quite, for many of us, confronting. And he will tell you some stories and, and encourage you and inspire you in many ways that are like that. And from where, from where I used to be, it was, the word that we, we used a lot was evangelism. And, um, but the way I now fully understand it, I want to rephrase that a little bit, but we're going to talk some more on what evangelism is. is but basically, expansion is where the kingdom of God breaks into the natural world around us and through us as his people. It's pretty simple. One of my heroes of the faith, 
is a, is a, is a um, big-time evangelist called Reinhard Bonnke. I just love that man. He is so passionate for the lost. You can see his heart breaks for people that don't know the freedom and the joy that we have. So he, to me, he just blows me away. I'm just like, oh, man. If I could ever have someone pray for me, I'd probably put my hand up for Reinhard to come and pray for me because it'd be pretty awesome. Now, I was very jealous of my wife a number of years ago, probably about 10, I think. She went down to the colour conference, at, you know, the women's colour conference. And Reinhard, oh, no, it was just a normal conference. That's right. And Reinhard Bonnke was speaking. And um, she told me something that Reinhard talked about. He talked about having a flame above your head. And that one stuck with me forever. The flame, obviously, the Holy Spirit. But if you think about the analogies of that and how that works, is wherever you go as a person, you are walking around. If this world belongs to the enemy, it's a place of darkness. And so wherever we walk, we are the light with the Holy Spirit on us. And um, that's the kingdom breaking into the natural world around us with his, with his presence all over us. It's pretty exciting. Okay, so there's that lovely word evangelism up there on the screen. Okay, usually associated with kingdom expansion. I've got a couple of Bible verses I just want to touch on and what that looks like before I go a little bit further. So Matthew 10, 1 to 5, this is where Jesus, Jesus gives us instructions. All right, so he sends out the 12 to cast out the evil spirits and heal the sick of every kind of sickness. That is the kingdom breaking into the natural. That's kingdom expansion. Jesus modeled it to his 12. And then he sent out the 72. You can see that in Luke there. All right, and, he, and, and, and the key thing is, is to tell them everybody that the kingdom of God is near. And you know, the thing that strikes me is, if you look especially towards 10, 17 and Luke, if you have a look at that, is the response of the disciples when they got back from doing it, was like, even the spirits obey our commands when we use it in your name. The shock, you see, the disciples had one disadvantage that we don't have. See, a lot of, I used to always think the disciples were lucky because they got to hang out with Jesus. But we get to have the Holy Spirit in us. So we get to have God in us, with us, hovering above us like a flame, whereas they just got to hang out with Jesus. So when they went out, they didn't have Jesus. They got to do that stuff without the power of the Holy Spirit. The last one here, and this is where Jesus ascends, and I actually really like the Mark version rather than the Matthew version because... Um, I used to always like the, the Matthew version because, um, you know, go out and preach the good news to the king, of the kingdom to the lost. But this one is, um, he talks a lot about being able to do the power ministry that we know and love so well here at the vineyard. So just check that one out as well. I really like the Mark version of that. But basically, the last words of Jesus to those gathered at his ascension was to spread the good news. Those are our for want of a better word, marching orders. If we're in war against the kingdom of darkness, our marching orders are to spread the good news. So how does that look for us? Well, I thought I'd start out with how that doesn't look for us. And um, so what expansion is not. Now, I've gotten a bit of a video to show you about what kingdom expansion is not. So just, it's a bit of a, it's a funny one. So just, you know, don't be too offended if there's anything in there that might be you. Okay, but we're just having a bit of a laugh about what kingdom expansion is not. You ready to go there, babe? Cool. 
evangelism is not for the weak, all right? I should know. I wrote a whole book about it. Self-published. Most Christians, they are just good for bake sales and potluck dinners. But I'm telling you this right now. It takes a lot of moxie to grab a non-believer by the shirt collar and throw him in the front doors of a church and say, Hey, try living out your heathen life in front of a holy God that way. It is like holy water to vampire. That's divine intervention, my friend. Repent for the kingdom of the Lord is nigh. Come to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.
to please reach out and touch his heart or do something that I knew he needed, Jesus. And then um, God answered my prayers. That night changed my life, September 17th, 1987. Changed my life because I realized I needed a Savior. Awesome. Thanks, Laney. Um, funny as all of those bits are, you might notice I'm wearing one of those sort of T-shirts, yeah? Yeah? Deliberately today, because some of that stuff in there works too, yeah? We know that, all right? So we're having a bit of a laugh at it. But quite often when you say to someone, we need to, you need to be more of an evangelist, people go, <gasps> and freeze. Now, it could be that they're like, well, that's all right for you, Corey. You're an extrovert. I'm an introvert. All right, that's often the one that I hear the most, in all honesty, when I talk to people about being an evangelist and talking to people about Jesus. Um, did you get the end of the video where he talks about the relationship the two of them had? And it's through the relationship that he meets Jesus. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick on my mate Ash here because he was bold enough to come up the front and share a, a beer with me, which is really cool. Ginger beer for the, for the audio, I guess. Um, <laughs> just to be clear... Um, <laughs> I remember when I went to uni with Ash a little while ago, more than 10 years ago now, doing teacher's college, and um, he'd given up having a nice car. He felt guilty and he felt that that wasn't the right thing to be doing at the time. Now, all of that probably had some good reason in it too, but one of the things I love about Ash and his ability relationally is he can reach and talk to people that I would never, ever associate myself with. I'm just using Ash as an, an example because he hangs out with all these meathead car Bevan guys. <laughs> Don't you, buddy? He does. And, and I love the fact that he can do that. You see, each and every person in this room is so different. So, so different. And I'm using Ash as a, as a, as a, as a great example because I love the way he does it because I know he shares God with them. It's not, okay, do you want to make a commitment for Jesus right now? No. It's not like that. It's relationship. So if I'm going to... I probably need to give an example of how this could work. And this is, this is the bit that, for me, um, there's, a, there's a challenge in here for each and every one of us in regards to how we do this. Because I think we need to be deliberate. We need to have in our heart and our mind that this is something we want to engage in with God. We, we actually can't just say, oh, I'm just going to go through my natural everyday life and as, as things happen, people will come to know God. It doesn't always quite happen like that. Um, the first person I ever led to Jesus actually happened like that. But I think in some of it there was more to it because I never stopped talking about Jesus wherever I was. And he says to me one day, he says, Corey, how do I get to meet this Jesus dude? Stop talking about him and tell me how I get to meet him. All right? So I didn't have to do much other than just be who I was. Um, and that's, I guess, is part of our challenge. But I want to break it down because I could just say we just need to go about and be our way, naturally supernatural and all that we do. I wanted to break it down into some form of here's how we might be able to do it. So I'm looking at Matthew 14, 22 to 32. And um, I haven't got that up on the screen, so I'm going to try and read it to us as we go through it and try and... I'm going to probably paraphrase it. So if you guys want to follow along, that would be really cool. We find ourselves with Jesus in, in 1422. We find ourselves, he's actually at a place where he's just fed the 5,000. He's actually gone across to the other side of the, 
of the sea and he's gone to have a bit of a rest and as he's arriving there's thousands of people there so he preaches all day and it gets late and the disciples are like dude we better get out of here it's getting late and Jesus is like no let's feed them we can't just leave them here unfed so he feeds them spiritually and he feeds them physically and then he says to the disciples in 22 immediately after all of this he says to them righto boys I'm going to go for a wander can you guys just meet me on the other side of the sea can you imagine how the disciples felt here they are meeting up with Jesus on the side of the sea, expecting to have a rest. You know, it's rest time. Paints a very similar picture, doesn't it, Tavia? You want to have a bit of rest and enjoy the day. All of the organising's done. Just enjoy it. And all of a sudden, Jesus says, no, need to go do some more stuff. I imagine if I was the disciples... Now, you've got to remember, 11 of the 12 disciples were fishermen, so they're used to hanging out in the boat. And then we have the, 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 uh, the last one of those guys being uh, Matthew who's the, the tax collector. Is that right? I got that right, haven't I? Yeah. And um, I imagine they probably look at each other and go, what? what do you mean? Can't we just have a rest? Can't we just pitch tent here and just chillax for a bit? You know, do we have to sail across to the other side? It's dark, Jesus. I can't imagine it being like that. But no, they, they, um, so they start to do that, all right? So Jesus ducks off up to the hill. Basically, they were to go home to their... I guess, I don't know where home was for them, whether it was actually literally home or where they, where they hung out together. And um, then at night fell, all right? So Jesus, he leaves them. They're without Jesus, and they're just trying to go across. So you can imagine, and we, we all know this story pretty well. I'm pretty sure we all know this story pretty well. I've not been in a small fishing boat in a storm where the waves are high and, you know, it's tossing us around. But I have been in storms in my life, all right, where, where things are going crazy. And here they are in a storm. They're fighting heavy waves. They're getting tossed and turned. I can imagine Matthew turning to Peter and saying, dude, all that fish and, and bread, that's no longer in my stomach anymore. Because I don't know if Matthew, being a tax collector, was that great at getting out in the rough sea. To the point where they're terrified when they see Jesus. Now, a few commentaries have Jesus, like, glowing, which could probably have him, you know, that's why they thought he was a ghost. Um, I'm kind of imagining something a bit different. I'm imagining, well, Jesus probably wore white or a beige colour, because that's light beige, because that's what they did wear. And I'm imagining, because it's a storm, there's thunder and lightning. I don't know, it could be just me. And as the lightning's striking, they can see this figure out on the sea. Now, you would not expect it to be a person. But no, it's Jesus walking on water. Can you imagine them? They would be petrified. Completely and utterly beside themselves. Now, we all know that Peter is an extrovert. He speaks before he thinks. Every single time. And he's the one that's bold enough to say... He's bold enough to say, is that you, Jesus? But it's only after he hears the Father's voice. So I've I've rushed ahead. I probably should do my dot points as I'm going. So I'm up to where, first one I've got is um, get in. You know, on on this journey of doing life where we actually don't just do holy huddle church on a Sunday, don't get me wrong. 
coming to church on a Sunday for me is just wonderful. I love hanging out with family. I love getting to pray for others. And I love getting to share the journey of life with everybody here. I love it. But if that's all we do, and when we leave this building, we are somebody else, we're not living the full Christian life. We actually need to decide to hop in that boat. You know, if I was one of the tired disciples, after a long day, Jesus might be saying, go home and be like, yeah, you know what, I'll just have a bit of a kip here first. I've just fed 5,000 people and had to collect up and clean everything. I might just, oh no, I'll just sleep in the boat on the side of the shore and go back tomorrow. I think that would have been a pretty feasible thing. What do you reckon? Could have had a discussion. They might have even had an argument about it. Because I reckon Peter would be like, no, come on, let's go. You've got to get in. We actually, every single one of us, need to make a conscious decision that we want to get in the boat. I know it sounds real simple. All right, the next one. Point two, stay alert. This one here, um, this is where, you know, they're, they're, <laughs> they're in the boat. You can imagine, the storm's raging. And how often are we in our own personal storms completely lost and we're not really thinking about what Jesus is doing at the time? And I know, even as um, when Scott asked me to be speaking this morning, I wasn't in a place I felt with my walk with the Lord to be standing here telling you guys how to do anything. Luckily, I'd like to think I'm not. I'm liking to think the Holy Spirit is talking to you, not me. Because I'm just as broken as every one of you guys out there. You see, I take my eye off what's going on. Where is Jesus in the busyness of our lives? We are so busy. The enemy has us busy, 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 busy. And we can even be busy doing the things of God and still miss what he wants us to be doing. If Jesus' one commandment to me is to go and preach the good news to the lost and be relational and be a kingdom expansion, kingdom bringing person with his presence, and I'm not doing that by running around doing the things like youth group or, or organizing the encounter service, whatever those things are, and I'm missing the actual plugging in with him and being a person of the presence, spending time understanding, knowing his voice, how he works... I've lost focus. I'm not, I'm not alert to the things that he's doing. And I see that in the disciples here. They didn't recognize Jesus. They think he's a ghost. You'd think hanging out with Jesus, he's just fed 5,000 people from a couple of bits of fish and bread. He is a man of miracles. I'd be like, I'd like to think I'd be the one standing there going, hey, that's Jesus. He's walking on water. He's doing another miracle. But I know I wouldn't be. I'd be just as petrified as them. All right, I think there's a challenge for us in that, to stay alert. All right. The next one is um, after Jesus has this conversation, you know, don't be afraid, take courage, I'm here. Now, if you drop down a little bit further, if you drop down a little further in the text, it's not until later that Jesus actually calms the storm. So even though they've recognized that Jesus is there, the storm ain't gone. It's a little bit like Tavia's, Tavia's testimony just before where she talks about it wasn't over. She still had to contest. She still had to use her authority. She still had to work through it. It wasn't over straight away. And I bet you if we relate that to any of the battles that we go, go through, that's the case. Item three is where Peter calls out to the Lord, Lord, if it's really you, can you, can, I don't know, can you imagine this? Lord, if it's really you, can I come over to you? 
walking on the water. That guy is a thrill seeker. What do you reckon? Either that or it, he just opened his mouth and it came out and then he went, whoops. I wish I closed my mouth more often. Often the case with a, uh, an extroverted person. <laughs> to his surprise, Jesus says yes. Jesus says yes. Now, how did Jesus get off the boat? Oh, sorry, how did, oh, sorry, <laughs> back, back to how did Peter get off the boat to go out and hang out with Jesus? Now, I don't think Jesus is like standing, you know, just here where Darren is. I think Jesus might have been a bit further away because if they couldn't recognize him, it tells me that he probably was. So maybe, maybe as far as the sound box, maybe even further away. But he wasn't standing right next to the boat. So I imagine, you know, I don't know, if this is the side of the boat and I'm Peter, would I be like coming down like this and sort of touching the water? I don't know. Maybe the, the more, um, more cautious person would have kind of touched the side of the water like that and gone, yeah, I can stand on that, bring the other foot down and stand there like this, you know, trying to walk on water. I imagine Peter was a bit more like this because, you know, when, the, when you're on the side of a boat, there's a drop, all right? You can call this the chicken line if you want. You can call it anything like that's a Robbie Dawkins terminology, chicken line. All right. But I reckon he did this. I am absolutely certain, Peter being the sort of person that Peter is, that we read about all the time, he didn't just hop off slowly. He just jumped on in. And I think that's what we've got to be like. <laughs> I've written there, step in, step out, probably jump in is the word I should have written up there. If you're taking notes, change it. Don't put step out. Put down jump. Jump in. We've got to look at opportunities. I've written there, we've got to look at opportunities to join in with what the Spirit is doing. It's always ongoing around us. If I go back to that picture that Reinhard Bonnke uses where you've got the flame above your head, you are carriers of the presence of God wherever we go. And there are opportunities around us all of the time. So if we're, if we're in the boat and we're staying alert, we're going to look at those opportunities to step into something. And um, that can be really scary at times. Really, really scary. I used to love hots. When we used to do hots, what hots did for me was raise my, or give me confidence of stepping over the chicken line or jumping in. Um, because you walk up to random strangers and you share these things. It's actually harder to do it with your friends, isn't it? So much harder because your credibility's on the line. Sharing your faith, that's all we're talking about here. Just sharing the amazing things, the testimonies of what God has done in your life and allowing that to fall on those that are around you and have an impact. And just, just seeing what the Spirit is doing with that is incredible. It is incredible. And I've got to say, when I've led people to know, introduced people to Jesus through the power ministry and seeing the Spirit fall on them, it is so much more fun than making them feel guilty and convicted of sin. I, felt, I feel dirty when I think back on that. Because that's not the gospel message. Sharing your testimony. Step out. Jump on in with the opportunities that you see. Of course, we know how this story ends. So Peter, he's kind of jumped out of the boat. Boop. He's in the water, and he's now going to walk towards Jesus, and he starts walking towards Jesus, and what does he do? 
He starts sinking. Now, I don't, know, I don't know how far he got to walk, but if he was walking all the way to the sandbox, I think it could be a bit further. How far did he get? It doesn't say, but he starts to sink. And you can imagine the terror on his face. It's still a storm. It's still raging. It's still scary. And he starts to sink. Tavia, when it started to rain again, did it feel like it was sinking? <laughs> We've got to stay focused. That's what I love about it. When Tavia shared that story, I was like, oh, I am so encouraged. It encouraged me, and we need to be able to keep sharing things like that with each other. The testimonies of the saints raise up and encourage each other. We need to stay focused. You know, one of the things, sorts of things that take me off my focus, this thing here takes me off my focus. I don't know, does everyone have one of these? They're great little toys and devices, but unfortunately the toy is in there as well. And it's the toy part of this that gets me distracted, not the tool, as in being able to use it as a tool. There's so many things that distract us. And I think if you were to spend five minutes with the Lord and ask him, What's, what, what is it that, what am, I, what am I distracted with, Lord, that I'm missing things? What is it? What am I distracted with in my life? What's all the noise going on that the enemy's got me deceived and missing what's going on? Because I believe that's what has happened to, to Peter. He's out here, he's starting to walk towards Jesus. I don't know, maybe it was a lightning bolt over there or a big wave slapping him, whoops, in the back of the head. That kind of hurt. Um, it could have been any of those sorts of things. It could have been like Tavia and the rain started again. And, and the pressure and everything that's going on around us. If we can stay focused on Jesus. Now for us to do that, it comes back to knowing our identity, who we are, and the fact that God's got our back no matter what. God's got our back. And that we have the authority. He's given it to us to be able to command that to happen. So, the challenge. And this is where I'm going to wrap everything up. I believe we're coming into a season of kingdom expansion. I really believe that that's the case. And it shouldn't be forced. You shouldn't feel guilty. You shouldn't feel like it's something you have to do. But rather, it's going to come out of the natural of what you do in the everyday. But it's also something you're going to want to choose to do. And it's going to be, I think, a wonderful season that this church is about to experience. It's my prayer, as I've looked at this and talked to the Lord about this, and I'm pretty sure it's his desire for you, is that it does not become a religious expectation for you, but rather something that you can do out of your heart's experience and a love for those that are around you that don't know Jesus. And it's my prayer that those little things might give you some tips on being able to do that without feeling the pressure. So, in wrapping up, my call to ministry from what I've spoken about this morning, in a nutshell, in a nutshell, is are you willing to step out and join Jesus in the expansion of his kingdom. It's, it's that simple. And, and, and in a short while, I'm going to... If, 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 that, if that wants to be you, I'll ask you, you know, you can come down the front and just talk to Jesus about that. And just say, here I am, Lord, I'm willing. I'm, I just keep showing me the way. Just keep showing me the opportunities.
And if you want someone to pray for you to, I don't know, to um, <laughs> help you to feel more confident in that, we would love to do that as a church. Love to. There's also a number of words of knowledge from this morning that I want to share with you. So as we head into ministry time and, and doing that, that's the first ones what's up on the screen, but there's also these ones. Um, words of knowledge for, the, for, for you guys this morning. Oh, I'm sidetracked. Words of knowledge, by the way, are wonderful when you're out and about and you're talking to the people that are your friends outside in the world. A word of knowledge is so, so powerful because when you speak that into someone's life, when you're game enough to speak it and you step over the chicken line or you step off the boat, it blows them away. I remember telling this to a friend of mine at school. I gave him a word of knowledge. It blew him away. Another teacher. Just the other week he asked me to go out to his house to pray for him for peace and to pray over his house. Now he is... He's in very early stages of exploring what Christianity to him is. He believes in God. He believes in praying to God, but he's still not quite there yet. But he invited me out to his house to pray for his house for more presence. How cool is that? That is so cool. Just because I was brave enough to share something to a work colleague that, you know, he's a mate as well, but I don't know. It's, it's, it's still scared me to do that. Anyway, back on track, Corey. Words of knowledge. All right, so first one here is a pain in the thumb from the wrist down. 